Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's the Believe in NBA Prospects podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your gracious host, Rob Bruin, coming to you live and direct from Long Island, New York, along with my good brother, T. Rose, coming to you from Syracuse, New York. What's going on, man? How you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. We're we're back. We were out all last week, and now we're Mm -hmm. back. And since being out, we knew we had to come correct on this Monday. So we have a very, very special guest that I'll let you introduce to the show today. Absolutely, man. We got the big time journalist in the building. He's been in the game since he was like 12 or 13, I would say. And the senior writer over at heavy.com, Brandon Scooby Robinson. Talk to me, brother. How you doing? Man, I'm maintaining. Thank you for having me, man. Good to see you guys. Absolutely, man. We, we've been waiting for this for a little minute, too. So we're definitely glad to have you. For sure. For sure. All right, man. Let's get straight to it. Just to give you guys a quick rundown, five-star recruit Kennedy Chandler commits to Tennessee. Master P's son, Hersey Miller, is definitely bowling in the, on the high school circuit and is being looked at by so many other different schools. The NBA playoffs begin today. Kobe Bryant is officially a day in California, and so many more topics we'll be bringing forth so far. So, Scoop, tell us, man, we know you had a conversation with Stephon Marbury, and he has some heavy thoughts on thinking that Dame Lillard should be in the MVP talk. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so Steph uh, posted on Instagram uh, early Sunday morning. Uh, he's in China, so um, he posted in the afternoon around his time that um, mm-hmm. you know, Damian Lillard is the NBA's MVP, but you guys aren't going to talk about that. So I jumped in his comments and said, you old? Care to elaborate a little more? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 te- I sent him a text message and said, uh, you really feel that way, huh? He said, yeah, man, this is a conversation that, you know, it's not really talked about much. Um, but really and truly, um, you know, Damian Lillard is, is – is, he's too real for a lot of NBA fans, so they don't give him his just due. That's his thought process. Um, and he thinks that because he's too real and because, you know, he doesn't fit certain agendas, um, he's not looked at in the same light, you know. So um, those are his thoughts. And I told him I think he plays like him. He goes, nah, man, you know, Damian Lillard is one of one. And, you know, he, he loves Damian, Damian Lillard's game. and. You know, to me, Stefan was a scoring guard. Yeah, he was uh, nice coming out of Brooklyn. Yeah, he was. He was Coney in the Iverson era. Yeah, same same job class, '96. Yeah, exactly. So, so tell me this though: Do you really feel though, like his demographic? Because we know in the NBA, it's a marketing thing as well. He's in Portland, so that kind of I believe has a little bit of something to do with that as well too. Well, yeah, that's just like I had stuff on the uh, Scoopy Radio podcast back in April, and, you know, he mm-hmm. discussed how he didn't like playing in Minnesota because there wasn't a lot of black people there, you know, in the sense mm-hmm. of, you know, he's from Brooklyn, played at Lincoln High School, then went over to Georgia Tech. Georgia and, Tech, and, yeah. And then coming to Minnesota, it was a different world for him. He ultimately was traded to the New Jersey, the then New Jersey Nets, and, you know, balled it up there for a few years before he traded for Jason Kidd to the Phoenix Suns. Um, Brooklyn is a hop, skip, and a jump from East Rutherford. So, you know, he, he lived his best life in that regard. But, you know, when you talk about Damian Lillard in that instance, the guy from Oakland who, um, you know, one thing Stefan did say to me, you know, uh, in our conversation was that, you know, he's not a fan of the super team era. You know, and he, he got it from the ground up. And a lot of these players, you know, do play 
super team. You know, you look at the Lakers, yeah. Anthony Davis and LeBron James would be considered super team. The Warriors with, you know, Kevin Durant and back then with, with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, Draymond Green would be considered a super team. The Cavaliers, the 2016 NBA champ Cleveland Cavaliers would be considered a, a, a super team in that regard with, you know, LeBron, Kevin Love, and, and, and Kyrie. When you look at uh, the Portland Trailblazers, you know, you got C.J. McCollum and, and Damian Lillard who came from mid-major schools. Um, who, you know, they are playing with Carmelo Anthony towards the further end of his career in the beginning. Um, so, you know, they're not considered a super team and they're an HC. So it's interesting. Um, when I watched that Trailblazers team, however, there was something about it that reminds me of that Philadelphia 76ers team. With um, AI? With Allen Iverson that went to the okay. NBA Finals. So, so let, me, let me ask you this, Scooby. What, what do you think it will take for someone of Damian Lillard's caliber? We, we know how talented he is. We know how gifted he is offensively. And like you said, he is someone that typically keeps it real 99% of the time, if not 100. What do you think it'll take for him to be in the MVP talk? Because his talent is there. Do you think it'll have to be a championship, him going through a different team? What do you think it'll take for him to be in that conversation? I think it's a shifting of the guard. I think, no pun intended, I think for so many years, people were fascinated and enamored with Steph Curry. And so now people mm. realize that, that, that Damian Lillard is good because I think that people, I think that Steph Curry resonates with a lot more people. Family man, cute kids, married to a pretty wife. <laughs> or um, mm. There's some other underlying things. I keep it clean there, but I, I think that, um, there's a there's a look that that Steph Curry has that maybe Daniel Lillard doesn't have that maybe we we recognize a little bit more and, and appreciate um, and I think that even for somebody like Kimball Walker to get respect I think his last year in, in Charlotte uh, people began to turn a page and be like wow he's really good because I think sometimes guys that are guards like him like like Kimba and guys like Daniel Lillard and even somebody like John Morant you want to you want to slight him. I think that the slight that that Allen Iverson got, they kind of quietly get it in a way that Steph Curry doesn't get. I, I'm I'm always reminded of uh, Chris Rock. He he said this a couple of seasons ago. He said that Steph Curry is Allen Iverson with a father in the home. Mm. Okay, mm. that's a bar. That should hit you right between the nose. <laughs> I think there's just a level of resonating that people have with. With, with with Lillard or with, with Curry that they don't have with Lillard. And then the thing is, Steph has championships. I mean, even like with the with the Kyrie conversation, you know, people were on Twitter the other day talking about trying to say Damian Lillard was better than Kyrie. Um, Kyrie still has a championship. The, the, the equal matching that Damian Lillard and Kyrie have, though, is the fact that they were both rookie of the year. But Kyrie also has a skills challenge MVP. He also has an all-star game MVP. He has a championship. People always like to say, well, Kyrie has you know, Kyrie team with LeBron. Kyrie had his own thing going on in Cleveland. People forget that before LeBron came around. So when you look at Damian Lillard, I think in order for that MVP, to, to your initial question, in order for people to take Lillard seriously and put him in the MVP conversation, I think a championship and LeBron James not existing would have mm. to be a thing. You know, and I think it kind of starts with perception. You know, at the time of this this, this recording, like if the if the if the Blazers found a way to beat the Lakers, there is a conversation because it's all about perception and media perception. Yeah, that's that's, that's a key thing too. Yeah, and but even like you said, Kyrie was on Cleveland by himself, but they weren't winning. No, he was a good. Individual. They weren't winning. They were getting smacked. Yeah, he was a good <laughs> individual player. 
Yeah, which is why, to me, I really came up with the notion what we had spoke about, me and Troy, a couple weeks ago. I think Kyrie, he's a good number two. I don't think he's the number one guy on the team. I don't feel like he carries that load well. Not to take away from his skill set, but I, I think that sometimes we make the best person on the team the leader, and I don't think he has strong leadership qualities sometimes. At least that I see. I feel that way about Carmelo Anthony. I, I feel like yeah, we said that too. Yeah, I'm a superstar. I like Melo. No Melo had had. As you know, if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I've I've advocated a pull for Melo for a while to to get back in the NBA. You just spoke with him about it. But at the end of the day, I I think when you look at Melo and you look at um, Chris Paul, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, I don't put Melo in that conversation as a superstar. But he's a star. <laughs> I, I looked at, to be honest with you, I feel the same way about Vince Carter. So you don't I think De- you don't think Denver, Carmelo, Anthony should be in that conversation? The Knicks, the way he did things at Madison Square Garden, I'm sure you know and or experienced it. You don't think he gets that 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 right? Superstars win championships. Mm-hmm. Okay, but you said Chris. You said Chris Paul. But you said Chris, Chris Paul. Paul. Yeah, I can't put him there. Chris Paul is championship caliber, and he going to the Lakers with with. With uh, Kobe Bryant, he would have won a championship. Mm-hmm. Carme- I think that Chris Paul has made the the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder better. He year. has, he has. Oh, okay, well, but he's not a winner either. Until your until yeah. your point. Okay, so what if Melo now goes to Detroit? How many championships do they get, or do they still win the 2004 championship that they won? What was Darko Milicic doing? <laughs> That's true. So, so, okay, so, so how many championships could they get? Like, what was he doing? Mm-hmm. Remember that he got his ears pierced during the playoffs. And he- <laughs> hey, look, we're not here to assassinate my, my, my squad now. I was just asking, what do you think? Because I heard you say if Chris Paul goes to the Lakers, then that gives him the opportunity to, you know, win championships. And I think the same for Melo. If he gets the opportunity to go to Detroit, Instead of Denver, I think they get multiple championships. But what they get it off the strength of the play of Chauncey Billups, uh, Rip Hamilton, uh, Rasheed Wallace, uh, and Ben Wallace, or based off of solely Carmelo Anthony scoring? I think Because you know someone, Melo going to stop the ball. I think someone has to take a back row. So I think maybe someone like a Tayshaun Prince may have to take a back row. I think maybe. Nah, you can't put Tayshaun Prince at the I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just what, what Carmelo can bring offensively is very strong, but I do think some of those key elements, like a Tayshaun, like a Rip, they were pivotal in that championship. championship. Because Melo was a rookie, Larry Brown was the coach, and Larry Brown wasn't going to start no rookie anyway. Mm-hmm. And if it's a valid point. Lying, if you think I'm lying, you asked me about 2004. Look at the Olympics that year, that summer. You mm-hmm. asked me about we talked about Stephon Marbury at the top of the at the top of the show. Mm-hmm. Marbury, if you watched the docu- the the documentary that recently came out, Marbury. Yeah, it was fire, by the way, too. It was fire. Marbury and Larry Brown didn't get along. Marbury would get up extra early just to sit on the team bus, so that he would not have to look at Larry Brown. Yeah, and Larry Brown ended up becoming the head coach of the New York Knicks. So, to your question about Carmelo Anthony, would Carmelo Anthony still won a championship? Hell yeah, because he would have probably sat on the bench as a rookie. Tayshawn Prince. I'll be honest with you. I, when I watched that series in the, in the finals, I feel like, like Tayshaun Prince was one of the most underspoken about people. Yes. He struggled. 
It was always, well, Tayshawn Prince stopped him. Well, no, it was always Kobe struggled. It was never Tayshawn Prince stopped him. Stopped him. Yeah, no, nah, that's a fact. Meanwhile, he was playing crazy defense with that long wingspan and all of that and would still give you 20 silently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the only and, – and I'll add this, like, you know, I had Kareem Rush who played on the Lakers on my podcast. He was uh, fired too. And he talked about how, you know, Kobe really wanted to win MVP that year. Shaq had won all those MVPs in the past. He really wanted to do it. I think it was, I think it was just the time in which Kobe was – Playing, he had a lot to prove for a lot of legal reasons. Got rested dead. I, I'm not gonna throw salt on his name, but mm-hmm. during that time, remember there was a legal case that was going on. I think that, that the Lakers were in a situation where they banked on Karl Malone, Gary Payton, Shaq, Kobe delivering a championship when there was a lot of dysfunction on that team. Karl uh, Malone and, and and Gary Payton were a little bit past their prime, but at the same time, Kobe wanted it, and you can't win by yourself. The Pistons. Antithesis of any of that. Underestimated Chelsea Billups, a, a, a guy who was a, a blue collar worker who really didn't get his just due until he won a championship. Um, and we talked about Damian Lillard in that regard, a scoring guard. I remember, I remember when Chelsea Billups had hair when he was playing for the, uh, for the Boston f- Celtics. <laughs> that part down the middle, had that Marbury part. Mm-hmm. That was the Marbury part. It was. Mm-hmm. All right, school. So tell us, you know, obviously the NBA playoffs starts today. We got the Lakers and the Blazers matchup, Jazz and Denver, Rockets, Thunder, Dallas and the Clips, Bucks and the Magic, Pacers and Miami, and Celtics and Philly and the Toronto and the Nets. Um, what team should we look out for and what key players should we be looking out for? couple teams. I think you should be looking out for the Toronto Raptors. They are still the NBA champs. Um, and I think that uh, even without uh, – Kawhi Leonard, they're still playing good basketball. They're still playing good basketball. Uh, you're really seeing uh, Kyle Lowry be Kyle Lowry, um, and you're seeing Pascal Siakam play good basketball. I often tell people that Pascal reminds me a lot of um, Scottie Pippen when Michael Jordan retired the first time. Mm-hmm. And you know, He had to carry it all by himself. He played in the Eastern Conference semis. Uh, they eventually lost to the New York Knicks, and the Knicks went to the to the '94 Finals and would eventually lose to the Houston Rockets. But I know that Scottie Pippen wished he had a team like Pascal Siakam. Uh, Scotty didn't have that same support. Tony Kukoc, Steve Kerr, uh, Will Purdue, uh, Phil Jackson was still the head coach. But I, I like the Toronto Raptors. I think they're a team that that, that that's worth examining. Um, the Denver Nuggets to me is another team that's worth examining. They're playing now at the you know, Kevin Porter's getting busy. Michael Porter's getting busy. I mean, Michael Porter, my bad. Yeah, he's getting busy. He's getting busy. I mean, he's been playing well in the bubble. Uh, anybody not named Devin Booker in the bubble, Michael Porter Jr. has been getting busy. I, funny story. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of, Michael Porter's been hurt off and on throughout the course of you – know, Since he got drafted. Yeah. Funny, Before. Funny so, uh, back in December, I was at the Players' Tribune. I was invited to this party in Manhattan, and – they had a bunch of gift bags there. Like Darius Miles was there, John Starks was there, Nate Robinson was there, uh, Jerry and Grant was there. The, the Nuggets were actually in town because they were playing out of the Knicks and the Nets uh, that that night. So after the game, you know, guys were coming, you know, to the to the to the event, and there were gift bags there. I snagged a, a, a pair of free AirPods while I was there for my for my iPhone. But <laughs> I, was I was trying to get a gift bag, right? I was like, "Yo, where's my gift bag? Where's my gift bag?" A buddy of mine goes in the back. He hands me a bag. 
the name tag on it says MPJ. The gift bag that I got was from Michael Porter Jr. So I don't know if he ever showed up or what. But the <laughs> That's crazy. Damn, he yeah. should have showed up. I'm showing up now. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's a fact. He mad you stole his bag. Word. So I heard you speak on the Nuggets uh, as one of your teams to look forward to in the West. What do you think about the young talent, Bull Bull, on his hype? And do you think he could really help this team move forward in the Western Conference? You know, it's funny. Um, when I look at Bull Bull, um, his, his height, you know, there's such a thing as being too damn tall. Yeah, he's 7'2", <laughs> bro. And, mm-hmm. and when I look at him, him being so tall reminds me so much of Perzingis. I feel like Perzingis never really grew into his height as of yet. Like, right. he's so skilled. Um, you can do so many different things. You're like a Swiss Army knife. And so when I look at Bull, Bull, uh, I feel like I'm in Philly, the Bull, Bull, Bull. Uh, I look at mm-hmm. the situation where um, he reminds me of Perzingis as far as his height and his gifting. Like somebody six seven two is not supposed to be doing six seven things, but he's doing it with ease. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's representative of today's game of basketball, where it's more European style. Like if you remember, like AAU basketball in the early two thousands, you had wing forwards, you didn't have small forwards, you you have you know strong guards, you have lead guards. I think it's different. I think even when you look at the Denver system, it's predicated for somebody like Bobo because. You have Jokic, who's damn near their point guard. Damn near, because his passing game is crazy. Crazy. So, you know, you don't really need a point guard in order to really run that 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 system. It's just different. And, you know, that's, that's predicated upon the, the way that Malone, you know, designed that, that offense. So, yeah, man, I, I think Bobo, I think, is in a good situation in Denver. Uh, that if he was in a, with another coach or another system, I don't know that he would be as um, – Larry Brown wouldn't be able to utilize him in that way in Detroit, Mister Mister uh, Troy. Um, so, I, great example. <laughs> I think it's a good situation to be in. I, I think that you know they're playing Utah in the first round. I don't think Utah could really utilize his skill set in, 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 in that way. So they would be using him like Gobert, strictly a right. rim protector. Okay. You know, like like I remember when Andre Blatch played for the Brooklyn Nets and Jason Kidd allowed him to be a free flowing forward. Dribble behind his back, get to the. It was no shot, no bucket he couldn't get. So I, I think it's the same thing. I think when you look at, I think when you look at Bo Bo, he's a, he's basically a freelancer for hire when you're spelling when you're spelling Mason Plumley in, in minutes. And you know I think it's a good fit. Appreciate you, and I, I actually agree. Those the two teams that you put picked were the two teams that I've had on my radar as far as who teams should be looking out for as far as the Raptors in the East and Denver in the West. And I think what they have with uh what Toronto has with Kyle Lowry's leadership, uh OG Adenobi is someone people have to look out for, his defense and how he can get you buckets. Uh obviously Siakam, he's coming to a groove and been in the conversation for the last two years for most improved player in my in my uh in my eyes. So I think that uh I'm looking forward to that and Denver obviously what they have with Jamal Murray, Jokic, uh, I'm looking forward to Bobo and Michael Porter Jr. So it's going to be an interesting playoff run. And Miami. Mm. They look all right. They don't look bad. Tyler Harrell's doing all right. He's not doing bad. He's getting busy off the dribble. He is. And Bam, Bam out of bio. You talked to, listen, man, you talked about him getting busy. Sean Paul might have something to say about that because he's, he's stealing his phone <laughs> and putting it on the floor. <laughs> That's <court. a> <laughs> he is. I think it with um Ben Adebayo, as you as you mentioned, like in today's game, like he's considered a power forward center. He's definitely a three, uh, and 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 like a Rodney Rogers type small forward. And in, in, in the nineties, two thousand NBA game, he'd be a spot up shooter. 
Um, he, he's literally, you know, I think Draymond Green is, is, is changing the way you look at power forwards and centers. Yeah, right? definitely. Like, same way that you look at Charles Barkley in that regard. Look, he thirsty to flap that Michigan State jersey. He thirsty. Look. They creates creates legends. You you look at Mateen Cleaves, you look at you look at just what they've been able to 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 do. Morris Peterson, shout out to the to those those Flint guys, man. I, mm-hmm. I, I talked to Mateen like a couple weeks ago, man. Mateen is good people. Yeah, he is. I've had the opportunity to conversate with him. He actually comes out every year and uh, shows support for my uncle's uh, golf outing. So he's, uh, he, he's a he's a real good uh, guy, and I, I love what Michigan State brings to the culture of sports. I just hope that the Big Ten can just get things back in order. I saw Justin Fields petitioning, so hopefully we'll be able to get things back going for football and basketball. So are you Detroit-based or Flint-based? So I'm from Detroit. I'm from Detroit, Michigan, the West Side. I'm, right now, I'm in Syracuse. I'm uh, up here at school, but yeah, I'm from Detroit. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I, I know people from Flint, um, and uh, but I always, you know, that, that I've been in the state of Michigan once. I went there actually in the fall. Uh, I went to go see Clarissa Shield was supposed to fight, and then that fight happened before the fight, and mm. uh, I had a good time in Flint. So yeah, I, I rock with a lot of people from Flint, man. But but Michigan as a whole, it's a good it's a good place. Yeah, Flint, Saginaw, obviously Detroit. Yeah, we got we got some cool little cities, but you definitely got to make sure you watch watching your surroundings at times around there. I don't roll around other cities without my people. <laughs> exactly, that's a fact. He knows something. <laughs> <laughs> you better be safe out here. It's he knows something. Before we leave that topic, I, Scoop, I need you to tell me about James Harden. Uh, he's like the exhibition. He does it in the regular season. What can we really look for him to do? Because, I mean, he gets to the playoffs, and there's a lot of different times where he fades away at big moments. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's, he's an elite talent. He can score the ball, average 38 points. That's, that's nice. That's great. You got MVP. But what can he really do to get to the next level? Win. And I think if, you know, when you look at the, the, the Rockets over the last couple of years, um, you know, every – like, I remember – it was my birthday last year, so May in 2019, I had reported that, you know, the, the, the uh, Rockets were looking to move everybody except P.J. Tucker uh, and James Harden. And mm. look at they moved um, Chris Paul, you know, to the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, in exchange for... You got the Rockets winning if Chris Paul's healthy? Yeah. You do? Yeah. Oh, come on, school. You serious? Why? I don't get that. Why? Um, I think that the Rockets are in a similar situation. Last, the Rockets with Chris Paul were in a similar situation a couple of years ago that the that the Sixers were in last year. The Rockets mm. were a championship, a built championship team, and then they ended up trading assets, not being as good. The Sixers were in the best situation last year, and Jimmy was let go. J.J. Redick was let go, and mm-hmm. you signed Tobias Harris, and you bring in Furkan Kormats, um, and the way that the Sixers were playing, shifting Ben Simmons to the four, um, was a similar situation that um, they were utilizing in the playoffs last year where you moved Jimmy Butler at times in the half court to the one, and Ben Simmons couldn't be stopped. What am I saying? What I'm saying is two years ago, the Rockets had the best opportunity to win, and Chris Paul sat out. They did. 
That was their best. That was their best chance. It was. That was their best chance, and it seems like they regressed. And I'll be honest with you, um, if the Rockets don't do what they're supposed to do, um, they go clearhouse. They're going to see more. No, like I, I reported last night that you know the, the New Orleans Pelicans are watching the Rockets situation, and if the Rock, you know, the Rockets didn't want to give Mike D'Antoni that extension, they got rid of his coaching staff, a lot of that that mm. assistant coaching staff, and not only will Mike D'Antoni be gone. It's possible that their GM could be gone because they've been looking for an excuse to get rid of him after that whole China situation. Yeah. Okay. I definitely so I see feel that. like this is the Rockets' last leg, and what happens? Russell Westbrook is hurt. This is their yeah, last leg. It's bad. Yeah, it is bad for them right now. And to be honest with you, even if they, this is just me talking, nothing I've heard. Even if they win in the first round, I think anything short of conference finals. Somebody getting clipped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, your 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 center is PJ Tucker. Clint Capella, I think, is in a better situation than Atlanta, though. And that was going to be my yeah. next question. Yeah, my, my my next question was going to be: Do we you here, think brother. we here? We here today, Pastor Troy. Yeah, <laughs> I, my, that was my next question. Do Do you think that the small ball is going to help the Rockets in any way, shape, or form? Especially when you talk about going up against a team like the Lakers. When you talk about going up against a team potentially like the Clippers, will that small ball work for them? This is going to sound vulgar, but this is the only way I can compare it. You ready? Yeah. So, you know how when you was younger, I, it was a song I heard. I, I don't remember what rap song it is, but it's like everybody lying about sex. Everybody's doing it. I can't remember what song it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, like with basketball, you talk about snowball. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing mm. How does that give Not them so an far. advantage? To be honest with you, the fact that there are teams who have big men who actually pound is the advantage. Because like, I, 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 I look when you look at a team like the Blazers, they have Whiteside, they have they got Nurkic. Nurkic too. When you when you look at the Lakers, they have AD, they have JaVale, they have Dwight. Look at with, with Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. That's true. I feel like, but even with that big man conversation, Joel Embiid is really a power forward. Like I remember people on Twitter were mad because I said Embiid was a power forward. They're like, our school Embiid is a center. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he shoots too many threes for me. To me, and okay, Anthony Davis. People say he's a center. He's a power forward. People got mad when I said that that Giannis was a was a three. He is a three. He is a three. Mm-hmm. Like people, like but 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 that's I'm considered old school in that way of thinking because even when you look at somebody like Dirk Nowitzki, back then he started out as a three. He ended up shifting to four. You look at Kevin Garnett further in his career, he shifted to the five. Mm-hmm. I just think that we just play a we're in a world of positionless basketball. Yeah, don't know what That's to correct. call anybody. We just throwing titles. Man, I remember like a point forward and point center. Like, what is that? What is that? Well, <laughs> point forward has always been a thing. Um, when you mm. look at Scottie Pippen, Scottie Pippen was considered a point forward within the Chicago Bulls' uh, system. You 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 look at um, Jamal Masker, uh, Harlem mm-hmm. Masker. He he was considered a point forward. Um, you 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 look at Anthony Mason uh, during his time with the Knicks. Pat Riley. Austin had, if you look at old tape of the Knicks in the 90s, Austin He'd be had, bringing the ball up? Bringing the ball up in this year in Austin. When you look at that one year, that was Anthony Mason's got rested dead. Anthony Mason, when you look at that one year he played in, 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 in uh, Miami, his all-star year, um, him and Tim Hardaway would often split, you know, point guard duty. So that point forward thing okay. is, is nothing, nothing new. It's just, you know, it's just, it's just fodder that people use. Okay. Also, too, um... With the way that Damian Lillard really has been playing in the bubble, 
Were you expecting him to play the way he is? And what do you think that they need to do against the Lakers to actually have a shot? Or do they not have a shot? Yeah, I expected him to play that well. Um, because when you look at the, the, the season uh, at large, I mean, the Blazers started at a disadvantage um, because the Blazers dealt with injuries at the early part of the season. I remember spending some time with Damian back in uh, September of last year, um, and he was excited about how well Hassan Whiteside was going to be in Nurkic's absence, uh, Yusuf Nurkic. Basically, when Lillard was hurt, player of the month moved up and Memphis was surging. Memphis was the placeholder for Portland while Portland got it together, if you really think about it. And I think I, I, I have one to speak on that because when you, look at the, when you look at the Memphis Grizzlies in the month of January, the month of January is what did them in. They were horrible. Okay. All-star game hits a month later, COVID hits, and now you've got a rested Portland Trailblazers team. I'll be honest with you. If Trevor Ariza had decided to play with the Blazers instead of using his time to spend time with his son. And I think it's a lot of uncertainty. If you remember at the beginning of COVID, COVID when players decided they weren't coming, mm-hmm. Reza was one of the first people um, to, to say he wasn't coming. And, and I feel yeah. like defensively, Trevor Reza was brought in to stop the Lakers because they knew they'd be an eighth seed. COVID was a blessing in disguise for them because it gave them time to rest. And so I and I don't like to use blessing in disguise because a lot of people lost their lives. So I want to be sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that when you look at just what COVID did as far as extending the season to the summertime, it allowed use of Nurkic to rest his bones. It allowed Lillard and uh, CJ McCollum to rest their bodies as well. And Carmelo Anthony to become skinny mellow. And at the same time, shifting <laughs> the position of the three. I think at the end of the day, when you look at um, the Blazers, the Blazers are where they were supposed to be all along. It just took a lot, a lot of extra heavy lifting because of the beginning of the season and the fact that they weren't able to um, really uh, get hot. Men's not hot at the beginning of the season. <laughs> Facts. In a situation now where they're where they were supposed to be all along. As far as how they match up against the Lakers, you know that that playing game against the Memphis Grizzlies. I was in. I was. I was very intrigued about how Valens Yunus of the Memphis Grizzlies was going to match up against Yusuf Nurkic. And uh, I like that matchup. Um, I have that same uh, interest and intrigue as it relates to the Lakers as Anthony Davis and Yusuf Nurkic, uh, both big men uh, by position on their respective teams. I think that that's going to play out. I think that the point guard position, I think Damian Lillard has the advantage over the Lakers in that regard. I think when you look at the Los Angeles Lakers, you know that the Lakers benefit from LeBron James being on the court. I think that that's predicated on every team that LeBron James plays on. He, he, the sun rises, it sets, and shines on him. And he's got to be healthy. He's got to be sharp. And I want to see Kyle Kuzma step it up. It's a great deal. So a, te- a team like Portland not having you know, Trevor Reza and obviously knowing what Damian Lillard can bring offensively, what do you need to see out of guys like Carmelo, like C.J. McCollum, guys like uh, Gary Trent Jr.? What do you need to see out of guys like those that's going to make you confident enough to think that they'll be able, be able to go up against a team like the Lakers and or beat them? Well, you know, it's interesting because I felt that Portland's Trailblazers' bench could match up with the Lakers. And to be honest with you, at points during the bubble, I was unimpressed with the Lakers' bench. As much as they have names, I, I, I have seen 
uh, the last couple games, I, I was a little concerned about Deion Waiters. Um, I was a little concerned about no. He loved to shoot, man. He loved to shoot. Makes those key passes as well. Um, yeah. And I think come playoff time, it's a different game. You know, as you know, I, I was one of the, I was one of you know J.R. Smith's uh, signing uh, with the Los Angeles Lakers as far back mm-hmm. as January, and you know, I, I think he has. Uh, playoff experience. I, I, I look to see him go to another level and step up in that regard. Um, I, I look at Danny Green. You know, Danny Green is a guy that um, has multiple championships, knows what it means to be an NBA champion, having won a, a ring last year with the Toronto Raptors and winning uh, with the San Antonio Spurs. Um, I think he has to step up in the playoffs uh, and at times during the regular season has struggled. And I, I think my, one of my most memorable games that I've watched Danny Green play was the first game of the season against the Clippers. Uh, when he averaged about, oh, he, he put up, I think, 28 points in a game. So I, I think, you know, you're not going to see him put up 28 points every game, but, you know, Danny Green has to step up and, and against the Blazers and, and put up premium shots. Um, it, it can't just be LeBron and AD um, because I think that one of the things that COVID exposed was how common they are without LeBron. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times people were able to, a lot of teams were able to sit and watch tape. And then the bubble, I think Toronto exposed them a bit. But I also think that the Lakers exposed the Clippers. Oh, you know, that always happens. <laughs> Here you go. Here you go. I'm but just saying. I think I th- with, with the Clippers, if they, if they have Montrez Harrell, if they have Lou Williams, if they have those guys to be able to be pivotal off the bench on top of what you can get out of Kawhi, Paul George. Mm-hmm. I think, and, and I, I saw Zubac. That's someone you have to watch out for. I've seen him. He's been coming into a groove at the big man position and being able to do things offensively and defensively. So we'll, we'll see about the Lakers and Clippers as far as that. But as far as the matchup with the Blazers and the Lakers, I do agree with you. I think that the bench for the for the Lakers are going to have to be superb, especially when you look on the other end and see how well uh, Portland team has been. So mm-hmm. we, me, and, me, and, me and Rob have been joking around about the different mellows that, that everyone names. And I heard you mention skinny mellow earlier. But – which which mellow do you think the Blazers will need for them to get somewhere in this playoff push? The mellow that's going to win a championship. The mellow, <laughs> the mellow, the mellow that you saw in, in Denver. Mm. And I'll say this to you. I feel like um, as much as I said that Carmelo Anthony may not be a superstar, one of the reasons why I think it wasn't shadowed in that way is because Tim Duncan and the Spurs and Kobe Bryant and the Lakers. They were had a- killing that you know so uh, yeah. I think the mellow that you need to see is the player that Amari Stoudemire wishes he could be because when you look at mellow and you look at Amari Stoudemire the, 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 the commonality that they both have is they were two of the best high school basketball players in the country but LeBron found a way to win and win multiple championships and the thing that will complete mellow as a player is okay you've got multiple Olympic gold medals um, you've got you, you scored a ton of points, um, but now it's time to cement your career. I feel like Melo was at a point similarly that Jason Kidd was towards the end of his career in Dallas, where he got a ring. Melo cements his career with a ring, no matter if he played with Lillard or not. A ring is a ring. People forget the Sam Cassell won two championships. Well, people we probably remember rather that he won two championships. Sam Cassell was a baller <laughs> as a member of the Houston Rockets. But I forgot that he won a championship with the with the uh, Boston Celtics. He has three championships. Not he two. did. He was there. In, oh wait, mm-hmm. I think I was like, oh, I, wait, I read that the other day. Damn, he was there. He was there. That's true. Oh man. 
All right, man, school. Well, we appreciate you for tuning in with us, man. Rob Ruin, T Rose, the, the illustrious yep. school, be in the building, man. And we really appreciate you for being here with us, man. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. Y'all keep doing your thing. Absolutely, it's a pleasure bro. to have you, man. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you. Continue to continue, continue, continue to keep working and doing what you do. We support the movement, man. It's a pleasure to have you. Absolutely. Pleasure. Pleasure's all mine. Thank you. Yes, sir. Right, brother. Right. So, Troy, check this out. Hersey Miller, masterpiece son, entrepreneur, and rapper. He's a senior. He's a rising senior, 6'3", 190 pounds. He's a five-star recruit. He's shifty. He has letters from LSU, Missouri, Morgan State, UCLA, and USC. When I looked at his tapes, I was actually surprised because for me, he was under the radar for a little bit. Didn't really hear too much about him. And then now it seems like he's making a lot of noise, too, especially with him playing alongside the big Chet as well, too. Uh, what's, what's your take on Hersey? Well, well I'm, I'm not going to lie, my brother. I, I'm not really surprised when, when you look at his family, when you talk about his father, when you talk about his brother. He comes from a family of athletes. I know, I know his father has done so many other successful things as far as mm-hmm. music and movies and being an entrepreneur. But, but he got that ball of DNA in him. But his dad, Master P, did play in the NBA, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. He, he did. He, did. he was couple, there. You know, you know, he did get a couple tryouts and did play in a few games. And if you look at his brother, Romeo Miller. Uh, he, he did play at, at USC with DeMar DeRozan. He played at USC, was an athlete. But I think for Hersey, it makes it even more – I put a little bit more eyes on him because this is what he wants to do. You know, for, mm-hmm. for them, those, for, for Master P and for Romeo, those were – basketball was an after thing. And I think when you give him six, the 6'3 six, ability, 190 pound, and then you, you put a ball in his hand and really focus on that and make that his goal, I'm not surprised. And, you know, he, he is a talented kid, and we saw him move up to be a five-star recruit so i'm looking forward to seeing what it what this kid has has to bring to the court but again i'm not surprised it's in his blood but when you see him putting in the time the energy and the effort and then i follow his father on on social media i check his page out so i see his father working with him constantly getting it in whether it be the garage or whether it be the backyard due to quarantine or being in the gym when everything's back to normal It, it doesn't surprise me at all and i'm looking forward to seeing what this kid can do Absolutely. I can't agree anymore. And just to make a quick correction, I believe he is a three star recruit. My three bad. star. I'll, I'll double. Yeah, I believe it's a three. It's a three or four star, just to um, be clear. But um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what he's gonna do. He has some good options on the table. And um, yeah, hopefully he shakes it up, man. It'll be good to he has a other brother as well. You know what I mean? So it's it's gonna be good to see what the Miller family does for basketball. Hopefully, you know, they shake that up for us. Mm-hmm. Now, we all been, me and you, everyone knows that we've been following Bronny James real closely. And ESPN put their rankings out for the class of 2023. Bronny is ranked 24th in his class, and he's ranked fourth when it comes to point guards in his class. Is he ranked too high, or are you surprised by that? Um, I, I think he's fitting where, where, where it's due. I think that uh, when you look at last year and how everything was as far as quarantine, but then when you look back even a little further and me and you've talked about this, you know, Bronny wasn't a, a starter on the team. He wasn't necessarily a star. He had highlight moments. But I think now going into, you know, a new year and him probably looking at getting more minutes, more productivity, and obviously he's growing, his game has developed. I think he sits where he needs to be now from here on being ranked 24th. I think now it's time for him to, to kind of get it cranking, get it going a little bit, starting to 
put up a little bit more points. Hopefully coach giving them a little bit more minutes, facilitate, be a little bit more aggressive. So I'm not surprised as to where he sits, but where he makes me look at him with a little bit more of an edge and say, I need to see more out of you because you're, you're LeBron James son. I need to see you higher than that. You know what I mean? But he is young and, and time does prevail. So give it a little time and see what he see what he can do. But I'm sure he'll be able to move up in the rankings. I do I do feel like I'm a little surprised that he's ranked fourth point guard in his class. Uh, I thought he would have been ranked a little bit lower because of like his production. Like he had a solid year, but it wasn't the best. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, like you, I am very excited to see what more he does do. But he did have a decent year for his team. So with him being LeBron James Jr., sound like you just said, we're all just excited just to see what he'll do just because of his name and what he brings to the table. But I'm I'm very surprised by the way he can shoot. He has a very good coordination. And I'm not going to front. Like, I, I really do want to see where he's going to go. I hope he doesn't end up going up to Duke, though, bro. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's, you know, 2023 literally it's sounds so, far, so away. far away to me. So it's like, we, we don't know. I don't, I don't, I can't, I think when you look at his, his, his options and what he can potentially get, I think Duke isn't a bad school to go to. Nah, not think, at all. It's not a bad know, school. You know, it's not a bad school, but 2023 is so far away. So we just need to see what he can do to continue to better his game. And hopefully he will be able to land at one of these big schools, if not an HBCU. Mm-hmm. Now, the five-star recruit, Kennedy Chandler, he's ranked number one in his class amongst the class of 2021. This young guard committed to Tennessee over Memphis, Duke, UNC, and Kentucky. I mean, he's a baller. He's going to be playing alongside Jaden Springer, which is another five-star recruit as well, 6'5 guard, and he's balling and he's ready to go. Tennessee is starting to pull him in, and uh, Tennessee looks like they're going to shake it up next year a little bit. Um, they're trying to do something in their space. And I'm I'm very excited to see what Kennedy Chandler is going to do. One of my favorite highlights of him is when uh, I think it was the AAU tournament. He pit-pocketed Jalen Green, stole it from him real quick, and then threw it. So um, it, it's good to see he's very bouncy, shifty. has uh, He can shoot the three very well, and he gets his teammates involved. So hype to see the number one, you know, number one guard in that class really doing their thing. Likewise, I'm very excited to see. I'm, I'm a little hurt because when you look down at the list, and I know you named a few schools that he overlooked, but he definitely overlooked Syracuse. You know, I would have loved it. <laughs> Easily. I, I lo- yeah, you know, and me just moving back to these stumping grounds. I you want to see something see good. Yeah, I would. I, that would have been so refreshing to just, you know, have him on campus and potentially be able to suit up for the Orange. But him committing to uh, Tennessee, I think that's a good move. And I'm excited to see what this kid can do. He can shoot the ball fluently, can be a little bit explosive bouncy at times I think that his size as far as his weight goes being 160 I'm looking for him to kind of develop and put a little bit more muscle mass on as things mm-hmm. progress but as we um as as we look forward to college and him committing to Tennessee I think this is a good pick for for the uh, the university and I'm excited to see what this kid's going to bring to the table now Troy last time I checked you know I, I did a little bit of digging did some research and we're hand on the market now that you got Jaden Aiken that's going to be committing to the, yeah, the, the big Michigan green Michigan State. State. Yeah, yeah. You know, Y'all get going. another one, man. How you feeling? Uh, I'm excited. You know, Jaden Akins, he's a local kid, Farmington High. You know, he's from Farmington. So I think to be able to get that hometown or that home state energy from Jaden Akins, I think that, that's going to be big for MSU. And as you've seen over the guys they've been able to get, you know, Imani Bates, now getting Akins, I think that it's going to be a tremendous move up there in East Lansing. But – I'm 
we we have to when you hear these commits it sounds so amazing but then in the back of my mind i have to always consider the pandemic the coronavirus and now it's a matter of time of when I'll get a chance to see these kids play. You know what I mean? So I think it's great to hear them, you know, committing and, and participating at these universities. But now I'm looking forward to seeing when I'll be able to get a, get a chance to see them play. Yeah, it's it's so crazy how this pandemic has shifted everything. Like we've talked, you know, a few episodes back and this pandemic has really shifted players to commit so early. We have mm-hmm. sophomores committing already, you know, which that's not really usually the norm. So, Yeah. The, the basketball landscape is uh, completely shifted right now, man. So we're definitely going to look to see what they do. Yep. So, Troy, tell me what's on your mind, man. What, what got, you got, got going on in there right now? You know, I got a few things on my mind. I can't lie. And one thing that sticks out to me, uh, it, it, it hits home, and I, I think it's very, very, very well-deserved, is I think that uh, 824 has become officially Kobe. Bryant Day, mm-hmm. and, I, and and I think that is a well deserved, well, well respected day that you know me and many others are in support of. So you know, being eight twenty four officially being Kobe Bryant Day, I, I think that that was very big, man. Well, what's your thoughts on that? Man, it's great because, you know, in Orange County, California, obviously, you know, like you just said, it's officially Kobe Bryant Day. The Board of Supervisors in Orange County unanimously voted for it to be a great day. Also, Nike will be starting Mamba Week, which starts on August 23rd, and Nike will be launching a whole bunch of different types of um, limited gear for Kobe as well. I see some real dope sneakers that Undefeated is going to be released since like a white pair with a gold swoosh and uh, another black pair as well. But uh, this is is needed. You know, Kobe Bryant was a huge part of the basketball culture. And, I mean, I'll be the one to say it. I think a lot of people fell in love with who Kobe was off the court after he passed away. Um, it was just tragic how he passed away with those other people, including his daughter, in that, in that helicopter crash. But Kobe earned that. I'm surprised he didn't have a Kobe day early in that, to be honest with you. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's just great to have, and it's something that we needed. And I think that this really teaches us to give people that matter to us. We have to give them their flowers while they're here. Just like we had Scoop B here earlier. It should be a Scoop B day some point in time. Cause he puts on for the culture. We don't want to talk about him when, you know, he's a memory. You got to be able to show somebody some love while they're here. So, um, that's well-deserved by Kobe. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think this is well-deserved and well-respected from the great late Kobe Bryant. And uh, I'm just, like you say, it's unfortunate that we don't have him, but I think that it's so important that we still can have days like this to honor and recognize what he's done for not just the sport of basketball, but for the culture of our people and how he's willing to, you know, do everything that he could and stand on what he said. And I think that that's well well, honor, a well-deserved honor for Kobe Bryant on eight twenty-four. When you think back on Kobe Bryant, just for a moment, what's one of your favorite memories that you have of Kobe? <laughs> Don't make me do this. <laughs> Don't you can do what you want. You can do what you want. Don't put me in this. Don't put me in this position, man. Listen, because you know I have. A, it's I have your a, world. I'm just living in I, it. I have an amazing uncle, you know, who who's like a father figure and a mentor to me and, and I see him catch so much scrutiny. I see him catch so many jokes, memes. Catching that heat. But to answer your question, man, to my favorite memory would have to be the 81 point game of Kobe Bryant. And to to watch him 
not just put a beat down on my uncle, but to put down on a beat down on the whole team. But to see the manner in which he carried himself throughout that game, the way that he still stayed focused, didn't didn't let the game or the emotions or the crowd change his demeanor or his mentality towards the game. I think that that's one of the, the, the most magnificent memories that I have of Kobe on top of when you talk about his last game scoring the 60 points against the Utah Jazz. I think when you when you look at those two games and the games he used to have in the garden against the Knicks, you know, the, 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 the terrific run that he had with the Lakers and Shaq. I mean, there's so many that you can name when you talk about someone like Kobe Bryant, but you know, one that comes to mind off tops is is definitely the 81 point game. It's all good, man. Well, Jay had to catch that work, bro. It happens when you lace him up. It just happened to be him in front of Kobe that night. It could have been anybody. Well, and, and, and of course, I've asked this question plenty of times. And the one key thing that I've always taken away with what my uncle has said in that game was, I mean, Kobe Bryant is one of the best basketball players of all time. Yeah, so I, mean, I didn't just get cooked I mean, by anybody. So, so I didn't like, <laughs> like, like, like he said, now Smush Parker would have went out there and gave us 81. That's different. I probably would have felt some type of way, but when we talk about Kobe Bryant arguably being one of the greatest basketball players of all time, is it surprising that he can go out there and do that? No. You know? So I think I had to to always take heed to that because when you talk about Kobe Bryant, he is one of the best, and he will definitely, most definitely be missed. My favorite memory of Kobe being Bryant was I'm a Celtics fan, so Celtics beat him in 08. Then when Kobe came back the following year, the way that he beat on the Celtics was different. Like his laser vision, his focus, it wasn't high scoring like how the games are now. That was a very physical series. But I always respected how focused and how bad he wanted that that series, that championship. And you could see the hurt in him if you look back and you watch the video. Kobe had tears in his eyes when he lost to the Celtics that, um, that year. And just to see him come back, focus, rally all his teammates together because, you know, a lot of people said Kobe was selfish. He couldn't do it without Shaq. And the fact that he got that one done, I believe that's his first one. I believe that's the first one he got without Shaq. And then they went on to beat the Magic after that, I believe. So, um, yeah, I just I seen it on ESPN a few weeks ago. And it, just to see him locked in like that. Like when Kobe locked in and he started doing that thing with his jaw, <laughs> it was like, you know, he was, he was locked in. That's the but man you- that you... Got get to chew, get to chewing his gum like MJ. You know, yeah, just, chewing the you know. jersey and it's you know when Kobe if Kobe Bryant is on the court, is a chance that you won't win the game. And I don't care how much you guys are up by. Like he will literally do it by himself if he have to. So hats off to Kobe. He's definitely dearly missed. And um I'm enjoying. I'm I'm gonna celebrate Kobe Bryant Day with Cali on that one because it's definitely deserving. A thousand percent. Now, Jay-Z goes and partners up with LIU, Brooklyn, the school, and they have a Rock Nation program now. It's going to be opening up in fall of 2020. It's a Rock Nation program for sports management, entertainment, so many things within the arts. And I think that this is a great thing for New York City as well because Jay-Z just continues to move beyond music. You know what I'm saying? He has a lecture series with Columbia University and... This right here, I think, program that's going to be opening up the Rock Nation program with LIU Brooklyn. Obviously, everyone knows he's from um, Brooklyn as well. It's going to be great because they're just helping within, within the arts. Jay-Z has so many things within like his the Rock Nation label. He's extended that just from music into now sports. You know what I'm saying? So it's going to be great to see what um, 
the type of students that come through that. They're going to make sure that they, they, they get guaranteed internships. It's just going to be a pleasure to watch the students within New York City and outside New York City just be able to benefit from that as well. Yeah, I think that is good. And as Jay-Z said himself, you know, I'm not, I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man and, and he and he always seems to prove that and i think that it's good now to see him put his hand in with the youth and see what he can do now to help the youth we've seen him you know start you know record labels we've seen him start sports agencies but i think now to develop something that's going to help benefit the youth of his hometown brooklyn that's i think that's tremendous and it only just adds to the long list of things that jay-z continues to do to help his people to help the culture and to continue to be a, a true testament of what it is to be a leader so i think that it's tremendous to uh to see what jay-z's doing and his partnership with liu and i'm looking forward to see how how, how big it it is and how help how helpful it is to the young kids who participate yeah it's gonna be a big one now your boy justin fields is getting busy over there in the big 10 man <laughs> what, what, what does he have cooking up right now you know big respect to justin fields you know and I, I, what i'm wearing right now i typically shouldn't even be speaking his name you know mm-hmm. but you know if y'all don't know i do have the michigan state hoodie on but what Justin Fields is trying to do is he's trying to get the Big Ten to reinstate the season. And I think that... Oh, they got uh, over 200,000 signatures right now. You know? That's a and, lot of signatures. And one thing that he said that made a lot of sense to me was he thinks that we're actually, if not him or the players, the team, the staff, we're actually safer if we choose to have a season. And, and the example he used is when you put a bubble-like situation for these college athletes and they're getting the proper testing. They're, they're staying within their range and within their limits and not interacting with outside people. I think that does create a safer environment for these students. When you, when you talk about going forward with the season now to not have a season, it is a little bit more of a risk because now you have to worry about what these young athletes are doing, who they're interacting with the same premise that you say, when you talk about students coming back to campus, interacting with students, interacting with teachers. I think that that, does become a bigger risk when you talk about not having a season. But when you talk about creating a bubble-like scenario for college athletes, in particular the Big Ten, I think you have to also question, are these young athletes going to be disciplined enough to go through with everything? Are we going to be able to trust these young football players to not sneak out, to not sneak people in? Who got caught sneaking that girl in there? You know, you, you you see it you see it in the NFL right now. So if you if you see if you can see guys who get paid millions of dollars to do what they do, the guys still that are doing it for free are still going to do it. They're gonna know, do so it, you, and they're so younger. You have, exactly. So I think that is I think it's tremendous what he's doing, and I think he makes some valid points. But I think it's always going to be a big question mark when you talk about people's health, when you talk about people's livelihood. I think that uh, we're just going to have to see how it plays out. But I think it's tremendous for him to step up and do what he needs to do to potentially get the Big Ten season reinstated. Justin Fields, I think what he's doing is tremendous. I think that football GMs need to pay attention because that's the type of player you want on your team, somebody that can advocate for themselves and the organization. I think that that's very important that they take heed to that. It's just tough within football. That's a heavily contacted sport, right? So they're like, it's body on body. Like basketball is contact, but like they're not literally jumping on each other. They're breathing on each other. They're face to face. Like that's just a part of their game. So it's going to be harder for them to stay clean, stay safe. You know, because of how close they are. And I've heard some people say, well, you know, they can clean the pads off and, 
it just really takes a lot less error for things to be wrong for them. So I think what he's doing is it's sensational, but it's it's a tough task, you know. And being that a lot of these athletes are so young, the people that are in higher places feel like they need to make the decision for them because they have more experience. Even though it may not be playing, they know how to run an organization. And the world really hasn't really came into contact with anything, at least that me and you have seen in our time. So uh, I think it's admirable, but he just eh, – I don't – it's going to be a tough one for him to win, I think. I agree. It's, it's going to be tough. But, again, I think his – I think he makes some valid points. So – and he's got a lot of people to, to rally behind him. I think you said over 200,000 people that have been able mm-hmm. to sign. So, you know, who, who knows what could happen. But I think his leadership, you definitely have to come in, and hopefully we'll be able to see if it works. So you got anything else on your mind, man? I mean – I, let me squeeze one more thing in there because we were talking about the Millers. We were talking about, you know, Hershey. We were talking about Master P. Mm-hmm. But I, I, w- I want to bring up how Master P. Yeah, Scoop B broke looking, that story, too. Yeah, he, Scoop, shout out Scoop B. He's, Master P's looking to oh, buy the, Pelican. the Pelicans. Crazy. Yes. And he know? said he wants no part unless he has a heavy say-so in it. That's how it should be. That's how it should be. If he's the owner, mm-hmm. his voice should matter. You if they're not going to give that man what he wants, I don't think he wants any parts. It's trend setting. And, you know, him being a, a, a black businessman, of course, there's going to be some people who are going to tell you you can't, you won't, it won't happen for you. But I think him making that push and continue to, to, to try to make that happen, I think that's big, especially when you look at people like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. We just saw him buy the XFL. So for someone like Master P, who's done what he's done for the hip-hop community, what he's done as far as acting, being an entrepreneur, like I said earlier, I think that there's no way that these people can't be business owners and team owners. So I think that it's important to to take note on that, and hopefully we'll be able to see P make that happen. Because as you see, when he sets out to do it, he does it. He's one oh, of he gonna best. get it done. He's one of the best entrepreneurs that we've seen ever. So I think to uh, see him set his mind on that, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if this comes into fruition. I want to see that alongside with you, brother. That'd be great. Before we get out of here, guys, we want to um, give a huge shout out, birthday shout out today to the late Marcus Garvey. And um, to our late, great Nipsey Hussle that passed away a few years ago now. Uh, his birthday was yesterday. So shout out to Lauren London and, and the family and everyone that's, you know, been supporting them. We're huge fans and supportive of them as well, too. No, nah, and I'm about to say, man, we, we definitely miss miss guys like Nipsey. You know what I mean? He What he did for the culture, what he did for music. Mm-hmm. I think it's so important. You know what I mean? And I know time goes by so fast, but that was just last year. Can you believe it? Was and, it? And that was just last year, you know. It's not two years of, now. No, that happened when oh, I came wow. to visit. That I was in Syracuse in the hotel. Right. My visit my visit out here. You know that was that was last year. So that was last year. What May? April. That April. Yeah, it was April two thousand nineteen. Damn, I said a few years too. I felt like it was at least two years. Nah, man, that was just a, a little bit over a year ago. Wow, that's crazy. Yes, just so scary. much has so much has happened since then. You right. know, so much has so much has happened. So I think we tend to lose things in translation, but definitely want to pay our respects to those guys. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you guys for tuning in. Sorry for the delay, guys, but we are back in full effect, live and direct from Long Island and Syracuse, New York. We always love the fact that you guys to choose to believe in us and believe in this podcast network. So you guys stay tuned, stay close. Any questions, comments, or concerns that you guys 
have don't don't hesitate at all to hit Troy on the gram or hit me on my gram as well. And uh, we appreciate y'all for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.